0: You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a good show for you today. We're going to talk about something that I brought up in yesterday's Open but never got around to talking about, and that is Stephen A. Smith and Stephon Diggs' little Twitter war that they had. I don't know who's right, but somebody's lying. MJ, Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time, arguably, has a beef with Steph Curry saying that he thinks he's the greatest point guard ever. The reviews are in for the Swamp Kings, the four-part series on the Florida Gator football season, or the football in the early 2000s, the Urban Meyer, the Tim Tebow years. And everyone that has panned it says, not very good. That's surprising. And we're going to talk about the New York Yankees, who are piss poor this year. Get to all that momentarily. All right, let's start out with the story I forgot to go over yesterday, and that was the fact that Stephen A. Smith who is a loud man on First Take on ESPN every morning. However, he's also the highest paid guy outside of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, I believe, at the network. So clearly they like what he does. He loves to rile people up. He loves to yell. I've never understood it. I don't get his appeal. Yelling does not make an opinion, but that's the way he runs his show. So um, yesterday, the other day, I believe this was on either Monday or Tuesday. He said he's got some sources. And the sources were telling him that Stefan Diggs wants out of Buffalo. He said, I'm just telling you what I know. I got my own sources. He doesn't want to be in Buffalo anymore. Stefan Diggs has got to be there, but he'd he to be gone because he's lost a level of belief. But he's not going to force his way out. He knows he's got to be there and he's got to perform, but he isn't feeling the Buffalo Bills the way he once did Because he feels there's a window of opportunity they may have missed out on. So clearly, when a guy as popular as Stephen A. Smith says this on a very popular morning debate show, of course it's going to get run back to Stephon Diggs. And Stephon Diggs tweeted out, 100% not true. I don't know who the source is, but I thought I nipped this shit in the butt already. Rocking it with my dogs, Bill's Mafia through and through. I mean, I don't know. I don't know either of these guys. I don't know. Um, clearly, I don't know Stephen A. Smith, and I don't know who Stephen A. Smith's sources are. I don't know Stephon Diggs. I don't expect Stephon Diggs, while under contract with the Buffalo Bills two weeks before the season starts, to say, yeah, Stephen A. Smith got me. Yeah, I. that's what I said. I want out. Because if he wanted out, he would just demand a trade. So I don't think so that just by Stefan Diggs saying it's 100% not true, I mean, what's he going to say? It either is or isn't true. Either he has told people behind the scenes he wants out or he's never said that and Stephen A. Smith's sources are just flat out wrong. I don't know what the case is, but the bottom line is I I think this is the part of debate television that I just cannot stand. I understand Stephen A. Smith has sources, but when you're dealing with somebody's future and something like this can cause a major rift into a team, I mean this is kind of a big deal to say that the best receiver on arguably one of the top 3 teams in the NFL is grumbling behind the scenes and wants out, but you have your sources telling you this and stick Diggs has got to come out and say 100% not true. So where do you go from here? Do you just keep that to yourself? or because we're in this world of debate television and you got to get clickbait headlines, this obviously was... He knew... I mean, Stephen A. Smith isn't dumb. He knew exactly that this was going to get back to Stephon Diggs, and they were going to get a couple more days out of talking about this. Again, I have no idea what's true. It seems like it would be dumb for Stephon Diggs to want out of Buffalo. He's on one of the three best teams in the league, He's got a premier quarterback on his team. He gets the ball plenty. Yes, the last thing we saw of Stephon Diggs in the 2022 season was him yelling at Josh Allen on the sidelines during the playoff loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. He wasn't happy, but that was that was in January. I'm, I'm guessing he's over it now, unless he's not. I mean, it just it's just interesting. How Stephen A. Smith has kind of inserted himself into the story and made his source and the fact that he's got a source uh, the story. And is it interesting for debate television in the morning? I guess. But I don't think Stephon Diggs is going anywhere. And maybe he has said he, you know, doesn't know uh, about Buffalo and he's just sticking it out. I mean, maybe Steph, maybe Stephen A. Smith's source is right. Or maybe he's dead wrong. But I'm just wondering if this is something that he really needed to run with. Or was he just looking to develop some controversy, get people talking, and then, oh, what are they going to say tomorrow about it? I mean, I you know how this stuff works on debate television. It's just like, get out some wacky-ass take, say you've got some inside information and then it can carry a segment or two on those shows. And that's all they're looking for. So, I don't know. I think Stephon Diggs probably is happy in Buffalo. It, it doesn't make any sense for him not to be. But, again, I don't know him. And I don't know who Stephen A. Smith's source is. So, I guess this is just kind of let's take a wait-and-see approach on this one. So, yet another story, this in the NBA involving Stephen A. Smith, who... I guess he's the messenger here. He didn't come with any strong, hard take on this. But Steph Curry was on a podcast recently and was asked, do you think you're the best point guard in NBA history? And he said yes. Well, somebody took issue with that, and that somebody was Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan decided to text Stephen A. Smith at 5.54 in the morning, yesterday morning, to tell him what he thought of Steph Curry saying he's the best point guard ever. And he said, good morning, sir. Although greatest of anything is always a debate, I beg to differ on greatest point guard of all time with what you said. Magic Johnson is easily the best point guard of all time. Steph Curry is very close, but not in front of Magic. You must define point guard to really have a serious debate. He then said uh, Curry's the best shooter of all time, but credited Magic for defining how much The triple-double can impact a basketball game, referring to the triple-double as a point guard stat. The texter definitively said Magic was the best at it. We can go on, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you get the point. By the way, Magic has five NBA championships. And then Stephen A. said, by the way, that text came from Michael Jordan. You know me. If you've listened to the Sports Daily long enough, you know where I stand on 80s basketball versus current basketball. What I do know is this. Everybody that is playing basketball today, if you put them back 40 years ago, they would be just as good, if not better, and dominate. I can't say that for the 80s superstars. I'm not saying magic and bird wouldn't be good, and, and obviously Jordan wouldn't be good playing in today's games. They certainly would. And Jordan would probably still be just as good as he was uh, then and, and if he was playing now in his prime. Magic and Bird, different story. I don't think they would dominate. They'd still be, I think, All-Stars. But, I mean, this is, you know, I've talked about this in the past, but this is the whole hypothetical thing. I, I don't like comparing eras Yet here I am. comparing <laughs> uh, But I'm not really comparing them. I'm just saying, like, it's just, I don't know, physiological. I mean, there's better. You know, you've you've got chartered flights now. You've got every player has got his own chef. There's better training. Uh, the health of the players is a thousand times better than it was in the 80s. These guys are smoking on the plane. They're smoking after games. You know, I mean, I'm just saying like that part of it, just that alone, of course, today's players could go back in the 80s because they're just way more athletic than they were in the 80s. You ever watched a game on NBA Classic or something? Watch an NBA game and then look at today's game. It's 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 like two different sports. It's not even the same thing. Magic would be really good in today's game, but okay, great. In 1980, a 6'9 point guard that could pass and could lead the fast break, great. You know any people, I mean, not that there's a ton of 6'9 point guards, but you got a guy like Luka Doncic who's 6'7, six, 6'8, six, he could have guarded magic. I mean, it's not like we don't have people that could play. And then Larry Bird is, you know, a 6'8 guy that can shoot. You know, he was crafty. He was definitely creative, but were they running pin-downs for him? Was he coming off triple screens? Were they running the offenses? Could he have guarded somebody on the perimeter? Like, all those things you have to take into account. And my answer is, while he probably could have scored just as well as he did in the 80s, I don't think he's some sort of defensive stalwart. And I don't think that... I think people probably target him in today's game if Larry Bird is playing in 2023. You know? So, um... So for the for the debate about point guard, again, I guess you just have to define it. Because in today's basketball, there is no really such thing as a point guard. You just have five positions out there, and you try and get the best matchup. I guess the point guard is the one who brings the ball up the court the most? Okay. Magic pretty much handled the ball every time up the court for the Lakers, especially on all fast breaks. But Curry is so good, he doesn't need to bring the ball up. Draymond will bring it up. Clay will bring it up. And then they'll run Curry off three or four screens. So what is he? We all know Curry just statistically is the greatest shooter we've ever seen in NBA history. So you can't take that away from him. His position is what? He's either a one or a two. He's either a point guard or a shooting guard. But he does bring the ball up a lot a majority of the game he is the main ball handler for the golden state warriors but he can do both magic couldn't do both magic just brought the ball up you know set up kareem in the post and stood there yeah he was good with his passes but I, it, at a time where there weren't were crafty passes really going on in the 80s so i and look i'm not here to shit on magic johnson I told you a couple of days ago, the, the 80s Lakers were my team. I'm just being realistic. I'm being objective, and I'm saying that Magic was so far ahead of his time in the era that he was in. You put him in today's era, and there's just so many there's so many more better NBA players right now in 2023 than there were in the 80s. You had Magic, Bird, and Jordan, and then you had a lot of good players. The I don't know, the Drexlers, the Barclays. They were good, some great, but... It was just a different game back then, so it's very hard to compare. Of course, MJ's going to stick up for his guy, Magic. They played in the same era. But I think a lot of this also comes down to semantics about what's a point guard and what isn't. Because Steph Curry blows Magic Johnson away in almost every offensive category. And if you're qualifying him as a point guard, then outside of five rings for Magic and four for Curry, and he's not done yet, And um, having more assists than Curry, where else does Magic beat Steph Curry? One more ring and a ton of more assist titles. I I don't know where else he beats him. Offensively, does he? I don't think so. I don't think there's one statistical offensive category where Magic Johnson points, um, you know, Certainly not points, certainly not three-pointers. And, you know, Magic was at a disadvantage. Three-pointers didn't come around until the 19, late 80s. But Magic, you know, got better as a shooter. When he came into the league, he couldn't shoot. So, like I said, this is a lot of hypotheticals, a lot of semantics here. But I just, for MJ to butt in and be like texting Stephen A. Smith at 5.54 in the morning just to contribute to this just seems silly. So we talked about the untold Netflix docu-series about Johnny Football, and I said I really liked it, but it did have some holes in it, which namely, it just seemed to end really quickly, and it didn't seem to address Johnny's negative issues. It just seemed like more of a commercial for a rehab image of the guy, yet he had some serious, serious problems. He admits being bipolar. He admits he had a drinking problem. And then we see him drinking in the bio, in the, in the documentary, with his boys. So that was the thing that kind of set me back with that one. Well, the Swamp Kings one is out. And that is a four-part series on the Florida Gators that I was totally looking forward to. Because the early 2000 Florida Gators were a dominant football program headed by Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow. But I'm reading some of the reviews and the amount of things that are left out of this documentary over four episodes. I'm like, well, then what did they, what are they actually making in this thing? What are they showing? So here are some of the missing storylines. According to Cruz Oxenrider, who's a writer, he saw it and said, missing storylines in Swamp Kings, Cam Newton. Carlos Dunlap DUI before the 09 SEC Championship, Aaron Hernandez, the Pouncey Twins, Urban having a heart attack, 2009 Sugar Bowl week, Zach Smith, Riley Cooper, Urban's wife and kids in Gainesville, and life after Tebow. So what this seems like, look, kind of what I said the other day when I started hearing some negative reviews about it, if you went to Florida and you're an alumni, you're probably going to love this doc because it brings you back to the early 2000s teams that were dominant and have probably got a lot of great scenes from a lot of the games, a lot of clips from a lot of the games. They have Tebow's you know, memorable halftime speech, all that stuff. So, yeah, if you were either went there, you're alumni, or you went there during that time, I'm sure you're going to love this documentary because it's going to bring you back to a time, some very happy times, and just watching it. I mean, it kind of brought me back to the Johnny Football one where I didn't go to A&M, but... Seeing the highlights again of Johnny Football, you like you just don't see those unless you openly go looking for Johnny Manziel highlights. So when you don't see anything about Johnny Manziel for ten years, and then you see, oh my God, yeah, remember how good he really was, and showing clips from all these games and him winning the Heisman, that's really cool to relive, especially being as big a college football fan as I am. So if you're a huge college football fan and you went to Georgia, you're alumni, or you were there during that time. I'm sure you'll love it, but what is the point of this documentary then? If you're really telling a story, how do you leave out all those storylines? That doesn't make any sense to me. So it looks like this is more of a just, hey, a commercial job for people that went to Florida, I guess? I mean, to barely address Aaron Hernandez? Are you kidding me? Urban's heart attack? Like, that literally... Almost took him out of coaching forever. I, there's a lot here, you know. Don't even bring up Cam Newton. The fact that he went to Florida, then transferred, then won a national title with Auburn. None of this stuff. I, I. It seems like. And look, I get it. They want to focus on the positive. And but then it's like, okay, this, then it, then maybe we just need to rename what these. Netflix series is. It's not a documentary. A documentary is supposed to analyze something from all different angles, positive and negative. If they're just showing a bunch of highlight clips you can get riled up for college football season and be fired up that you were once a Gator or always a Gator or whatever, okay, then just call it what it is. Just call it, I don't know, a four-part movie about Florida Gator football because this doesn't seem like a documentary that they – are trying to do here because that doesn't make any sense to not show and not even cover any of those topics. Well, what do I know? And finally, the New York Yankees are quite the awful baseball team this year. Last night they won. They beat the Washington nationals. Not a big deal. Anybody can beat the nationals, but what they did do was they ended a nine game losing streak. Okay, so the Yankees lost nine games in a row. Bad, bad stretch. Do you realize if the Yankees didn't win last night against the Nationals, they would have lost 10 in a row? That's the first time a Yankee team would have lost 10 in a row since 1913. The Yankees have the second highest payroll in baseball this year, and they're in dead last in the AL East. The Mets have the number one payroll in baseball this year, and they stink too. Just goes to show. You can spend a lot of money, but if you don't have smart decision-making in your front office, it really doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot. In this nine-game losing streak, the Yankees averaged 2.3 runs a game. They were slugging like 260, and their team batting average was 176. Yeah, I guess they broke out of it last night with a 9-0 win, but... I mean that is just you just don't hear that from the Yankees and obviously something that if they would have lost last night hadn't happened in would would match something that hadn't happened since 1913 110 years ago. So yeah, bad bad baseball all around in the Bronx and Flushing Meadows um, this season. Sorry, Met fans and Yankee fans that you had such a crappy year. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review if you can. Pass it along to your friends. Let them know about it. Keeping this thing going. Coming up on, uh, I'm saying coming up on a year. We still got four months till the end of the year, but um, we're eight months into this thing. Every day you get sports daily, Monday through Friday. So thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.